Welcome to the Gathering at Adel. Today's message is from the Gospel of Matthew. We're going to be looking at Jesus' words when he says, Do not worry. Today it is about do not worry. And uh, it's Matthew chapter 6, verses 25 through 34. I, uh, if you don't know me and my wife, uh, I'm up here and, and that's good, but my wife is honestly the better half of us too. She's phenomenal in every way. And uh, one of the ways that she's extremely phenomenal is she has given me eight kids. And that's phenomenal. I can remember uh, we had six. Uh, the twins right now are two and a half years old. We were in uh, Honduras. I was with a, on a mission trip with uh, one, one or two of my kiddos and then like 20 other uh, students and leaders. And we were, in, we were in Honduras. I think it's been three, three years ago, three summers ago now. And uh, you, you very rarely get cell phone service, or if you have an American phone, it's rare that you get service in Honduras. You can buy a, a burner phone there or something. But uh, I was driving to one of the villages, and I had some people in the car, and my wife calls me, and, and it rings, which is surprising. One, that she called, and two, that it rings. And like I'm like, hey, babe, what's going on? We never talk on the phone. We have to use Marco Polo, which I talked about a couple weeks ago. Uh, I go, hey, babe, what's going on? She goes, I'm pregnant. I was like, oh, man, not the news that you want to get when you're in Honduras, right? You know, they're like, okay, well, there's nothing I can do. Sorry, I've, I've got all the kids that I can have here. Sorry, you know, and you're like, you're excited. And you got people in the car and you're like, oh, I can't tell y'all because, you know, no one else knows. It's just me and her at this moment that know. And I can remember, I was like, man. That is so exciting. My wife was not as excited as you can imagine already having six and, uh, and the fact that I was supposed to have something taken care of on me to make sure that that doesn't happen again. And I had procrastinated a little too long on that one. And so I'm like, oh man. So my response when she tells me she's pregnant with what we assume is gonna be our seventh kid, we'll come to find out that it's twins. She tells me, I was like, okay, I'll have my surgery. She goes, I know. And we both hung up, <laughs> nothing else. Then like, like four hours later, she texts me. She's like, uh, what's the name of the vet that we use? And I, I was like, hey, I said I'll take care of it. She's like, don't be an idiot. I, I, the cats are having a problem. I was like, okay, I will take care of it. That's the first thing when I land, babe. Promise you, I will take care of this, you know. And, uh, but you know that the joy and the excitement and then uh, come home from that and you're just, you're thrilled, excited. She goes to the first appointment, and because we already have a litter, it's like, hey, you go, you got that. She's done this once or twice before. And so uh, she goes to the appointment. She sends, like, a picture of a sonogram. And, you know, I mean, six kids, we probably had, like, 30 sonograms. I still can't tell. Like, is, that, is it supposed to rain this week? What is that? I don't know what. Is, that, is there a storm coming? And she's like, there's a storm coming when I get home. You know, I'm like, I don't know what that is. Is that a baby? And she's like, there's two. I was like, well, we've never done that before. That was my response again to her. And, you know, you're shocked, like, wow, twins. And people are like, twins, that's crazy. And I'm like, well, after that many times, it's bound to happen. And the odds, you know, increase big time that you're going to have twins. And there's that joy and excitement of, 
of all of that. And you're like, man, I can't wait. Like, it's going to be fun to pick out clothes and names and all of that. And then, then at some point in the near future, it goes, oh, that's two car seats, two strollers, 37 pairs of pajamas, four billion diapers. Oh, okay. All of a sudden, it's like, man, I'm glad they're here, and I'm glad all that we have are still here with us. And you know, but it's like, man, these things are expensive, and that's they're twins. That's college, possibly at the same time. That's weddings. Okay, all right. That little bit of joy can be taken away very quickly. And I've never really worried at all. Uh, It's one of the qualities that my wife hates about me. (laughs) <laughs> you know, I just don't worry. Like, uh, it, it's all going to work out. It's all going to be fine. What's that on your arm? I'm not sure. It'll work out, babe. Like, who cares? Uh, you want to go to the doctor? No, I'm not worried about it. But at some point, maybe six months into the pregnancy, no, everything went perfect. Nothing was wrong. About six months into the pregnancy, and I've never worried about it before, all of a sudden, the enemy became, began to come at me with worry. In the middle of the day, I would just be like, thinking of my wife, and I'd be like, what if she doesn't make it? And you're like, you know, you're like, Lord, where's that? What's that? You know I don't worry. That's what you love about me. And that fear of, well, well what if only one makes it? What, what if I have to choose between my babies or my wife? Can I tell you, like, I mean, it's that real worry of what's, like, Lord, I can't do this. And then you push it away, and you're like, no, okay, we're good. We'd be doing, like, a worship night. Man, the enemy would come at me. Like, dude, you can't do this by yourself. Your wife's not going to make it. What are you going to do with all those kids? I said, give them away. (laughs) (laughs) But for about three months, the enemy came at me, and I worried about her health. Worried about my kids. I worried about raising the twins because something's going to happen to her. Even, even in the in the in the operating room, Milo just comes right out. No worries. And then all of a sudden, Evelyn's kind of turned one way. And the doctor's trying to distract me. You know, talk to me about things. And you're like, "Bro, shut up, man. I just need to pray right now because I can't do this." I'm not going to think about what could happen. Umbilical cord, come to find out umbilical, he didn't tell me at the time, thank goodness. You know, umbilical cords wrapped around Evelyn's neck, you know, and your that worry, it's debilitating, like it, it, it paralyzes you. It consumes you and it overwhelms you. And that, that, that's a big worry. But it's not any less significant than bills and debt, health and car payments. But 
But can I tell you, like, like I know, and, and you, if you know me, talk to me, you, you know, like, Jeff, why are you even, how can you even preach on worry? Like, dude, you, you should have just skipped it. No. Because in that moment, everything that you feel, and you might be a worrier every day, every, every feeling that you get every time you get a new bill, every time you have to go to the doctor again, every time a flat tire comes again, every time, it's that same feeling that I can tell you. It paralyzes you, it consumes you, and it overwhelms you. Worry not only leads to unhealthy habits such as poor dieting, no sleep, you know, stress and anxiety. Uh, it will lead you to, to coping mechanisms, whether that's smoking or alcohol or, or something different or, or Dr. Peppers, as some people uh, struggle with that. I'm not sure who that is. Inactivity, but, but not only that, but worry will paralyze you. It will consume you and it, overwhelms, it will overwhelm you. Worry causes us to lose our focus on what matters most. And we worry about so many things. We worry about having our money and our, our order ready when we pull up to the drive through or at least I hope you worry about that because sometimes people don't. You know, I'm like we pull up to the order and I'm like, kids, what do you want? Like we're pulling in there. I'm like, you tell me, better tell me what you want. When I get to that window, I'm ordering now. Like, because I hate like someone waiting on me. You know, that's, that's my biggest worry, right? Showing up too early, too late to an appointment. We worry about waiting for someone to text you back and you can see the three dots and then it just like goes away. You're like, oh, it's, it's bad. It's going to be bad, isn't it? Like they, they, the three dots and then it's gone and it'll show up again, you know, because you just like you leave the message up there and you're like, oh, the three dots. Okay. And then it goes away like, oh, man. Or you worry, you know, you, you send a, a text message that's kind of harsh or critical or and you put your phone up because it took you a while to send that text. I did this a couple of weeks ago. You know, you sent, you had, I had to reply to a text that wasn't necessarily what they wanted to hear. And it's like, oh, man. So you set your phone down and then uh, you hear it go off and you're like, oh, man. No, it's okay. You know, and, and you worry about it until you go and check it. And it's like, oh, free tacos this week. You're like, dang it. Oh, no, okay, put it down. No. And then, it, then the message does come through. Or, or you worry about these things, but, but not only those things. But like, am I in the will of God? Can I even, do I even hear him? What does he want for me? We worry about money and bills and debt, job security, our spouse and our kids, our health, diet, getting old, what others think of us. We worry about the past, the future. Worry about getting our sermons done before Sunday, right? Like, like we worry about all these things. And if you really want to, there's a ton of things to worry about in this world. I mean, if you just really, you're like, man, just turn on the news. Listen to talk radio. Like, there's a ton of things to worry about. But the truth is that Jesus' word never changes. It, it doesn't go to our circumstances where Jesus says, hey, do not worry. Oh, but you just got this. Diagnose, diagnose, diagnosis from the doctor. Oh, that's fine. You can worry about that. No. Oh, you just got this new bill that you have no money for. Oh, go ahead and worry there. No, still never okay. His word is true. And no matter what you're facing, his word still says, do not worry. If we're on the mountain or in the valley, do not worry. When things are good, when things are bad, do not worry. When you're healthy, do not worry. When you're sick, do not worry. Jesus' words are still true. We're going to read through Matthew chapter 6, verses 25 through 34. 
If you want to follow along with me, if you don't have your Bible, it will be up there on the screens behind me. It says, therefore, I tell you, this is Jesus talking in the Sermon on the Mount. Therefore, I tell you, don't worry about your life, what you will eat or what you will drink or about your body, what you will wear. Isn't life more than food and the body more than clothing? Consider the birds of the sky. They don't sow or reap or gather into barns, yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Aren't you worth more than they? Can, you, can any of you add one moment to his lifespan by worrying? And why do you worry about clothes? Observe how the wildflowers of the field grow. They don't labor or spin thread, yet I tell you that not even Solomon and all of his splendor was adorned like one of these. If that's how God clothes the grass of the field, which is here today and thrown into the furnace tomorrow, won't he do much more for you, you of little faith? So don't worry saying, what will we eat or what will we drink or what will we wear? For the Gentiles eagerly seek all these things. And your heavenly father knows that you need them. But seek first the kingdom of God and its righteousness. And these things will be provided for you. Therefore, don't worry about tomorrow because tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. So Father, we thank you right now for your word. Father, I thank you that when we open it up, it's not dead, it's alive. Father, I pray that today you would lead us and guide us, that you would teach us, that you would encourage and inspire us. Father, that you would equip us to walk this out. And Father, that when we leave here today, that we would not have just been hearers, but we will be doers of your word. Father, I pray that as the, the message is going on, that you would begin to speak to your people. Show them how they can put these things into practice and they can become a doer of your word. In your name we pray, amen. He says, do not worry or don't worry three times in these nine verses. It's probably something that we should pick up on. It says it once, it's like, man, that was really good. It says it twice, like, okay. Third time, it's like, bro, I get it, man. Okay, don't worry, do not worry. It doesn't matter what's going on around you. You see that, that worry is unnecessary and it's unproductive. Worry is unnecessary and it's unproductive. What I mean by that, that worry is unnecessary because you can't do anything to the situation anyways. Jesus said, well, why are you worrying? Like you can't add a moment to your life. The, the message said, how many of you by looking in, into the mirror, or, or, or the message says, by you fussing into the mirror can add one inch taller. It's like, that's interesting. I love how, how it puts it. Who can add one moment to his life? Who can add one inch to his height by worrying? It's unnecessary. Like, it doesn't do anything. It's unproductive. It's unnecessary and it's unproductive. All that we do is we just sit there and spin and think and worry, worry, worry. And all of a sudden, at the end of that worrying, it's still there. The problem still exists. It's unproductive. You see that worry causes us to look at ourselves for the solution. Have you ever noticed that? Why is it unproductive and unnecessary? Because it, it makes me look at me on how can I fix this? How can I do this? Like, oh, I offended that person or that person's mad at me and now we just worry about this. And it's like, I can't change their heart. Worrying about that relationship isn't gonna do anything. Going to the Lord and praying will do something. It doesn't mean that we don't care about people. We don't care if we offend or hurt people. It just means that when, when those things happen, we don't worry about it. 
Worry is unproductive because it accomplishes nothing and it robs us of our peace and our productivity. What if instead of worry that we allowed ourselves to wonder? Have, have you thought about, because like, like worry looks at me to fix the problem. But how about instead of worrying about the problem, what if we just wonder? And, and not like wonder, like, does God love me? Wonder, does he care for me? Do I wonder if God is able to do this? Does God want to do this? Am I okay with the Lord? Like, I'm not talking about wonder if he can do it, but I'm talking about looking at him at, with awe and wonder at his majesty and his goodness and his love and his mercy and his plans for you. What if instead of, like we look at the situation we're like, man, I don't know how I'm gonna be able to do this. And you just go, oh man, I, Lord, I'm just gonna marvel at how you pull this off. I'm, I'm gonna choose to look at the beauty of your plan because Isaiah 25, one says, Lord, you are my God. I will exalt you and I will praise your name. For you have accomplished wonders, plans formed long ago with perfect faithfulness. What, what if we turned our worry into wonder? And instead of looking at me for the solution, that we turn our worrying into wonder and we say, Father, you've accomplished wonders, plans long established ago. Because worry looks at my inaccuracies or my in abilities when wonder looks at the perfectness and the fullness of God. Where worry causes us to look at ourselves for a solution, worry causes us to look at God for his provision. Worry will rob us from seeing the beautiful plan that God has for us. Because all we can do is we're looking inward at ourselves and how can I do this? How can I accomplish this? And wonder says, it's not me anyways. It goes along with what we talked about last week. And if you were studying in that with God and possessions and don't, don't put, store up for treasures on earth where moth and rust will destroy but, and where thieves can break in, you know, and it goes on, but store up treasures in heaven. He says, because you cannot serve two masters. You either serve God or serve one and hate the other. You know, love one, despise the other. Money is not your provision, Worry makes us look inward at my ability to make it happen with my money. Wonder removes me from the equation and looks at the storehouses that the Lord has in heaven and says, Father, I don't need the whole storehouse, man. Just, just turn the nozzle just a little bit. Let it come out. It says that he, there's storehouses in heaven that he opens the windows of heaven and pours out blessings that we can't even receive. Like it's too much. Like, like we, we're worried about a bill that's coming up. We're worried about a flat tire, a car that won't start. We're worried about a job or a coworker. We're worried about a health. We're worried about this or that. And we're like, man, Lord, how, how, I can't do it. And that's the right starting place. You can't. God does not need money to make things happen. We, we are so consumed in this culture with money and acquiring and making things happen. But God does not need any money to pull it off. He created the heavens and the earth without a cent to his name. 
Like, like we're worried about a, an electric bill that's double this month because they are. Everybody's is. And the Lord's economy just doesn't work the same way. He doesn't need your money. Worry looks at my inaccuracies, my inabilities, my ineffectiveness, but wonder looks at him and says, man, he is good. He is pure, he is perfect, he is holy, he is wonderful, he is faithful. He is able, he is willing. He sees you, he knows what you need, he will care for you, he will not abandon you, you are his. I think we worry because we don't walk as sons and daughters. We walk as orphans and foreigners. It says, birds don't sow or reap, yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Flowers don't labor or spin thread, yet they are clothed in more splendor than money can buy. And if he will do that for the birds and the flowers, how much more will he do for you? We have to quit worrying and wonder at the goodness and the beauty and the perfectness and the love that the Father has for you. That when we worry, we lack confidence. That we have to walk in the confidence of a son, not in the fear of an orphan. Milo is two and a half. He's one of the twins. Uh, He's two and a half. and, And you know, like right now, Milo's not thinking about what's for lunch or dinner or food this week. You know why? Because Milo has a mom and a dad that take care of him. Milo right now is not thinking, man, I'm going to have to go find some water later on today. I better go make this happen real fast. There's got to be a filtration system somewhere. I go get some water. Milo just walks to his cup and he drinks it. And when it's out, he probably whines a little bit. He brings it to us and we refill it. But he doesn't worry. He doesn't worry that if I push that in, that water's not going to come out. Because it happens every time. Milo's not sitting here thinking, oh, man, these jeans are getting a little short. I wonder what's going to happen. Our winter's going to be coming up pretty soon in a couple of months. I wonder if I have extra winter clothes. He's not thinking that at all. You know why? Because he's a son. Milo's not dumb. He's not naive. He's not lazy. He's not ill-prepared. He's a son. Do you see that, that, that when we look like we're being naive or dumb to the world, like, what do you mean you're not worried about that? Like, that, that's a real electric bill. They're going to shut it off. Man, I, I'm just a son. It's not my electric bill to pay. It's the dad's. When, when all of a sudden that we walk in the confidence of a son and not the fear of an orphan, then we're able to have confidence that he is able to do immeasurably more than we can even ask or imagine. Like, like we're worried about an electric bill, and he's like, bro, I'm trying to bless you beyond that. Oh, I'm worried about how if I can just get this transmission fixed in this car, then boom, okay, I'll do it. And he's just trying to say, bro, I'm trying to bless you bigger than a transmission. Yeah. Worry looks at short-term fixes Wonder looks at long-term inheritance. Because when you wonder as a son, you get to look at the beauty and the plans of your father. And you go, man, dad, that was great how you did that. When me and Milo are out 
messing around with the tools and stuff. You know, we're just out having a good time. Milo comes running up to me. Dad, here. Shows me and we just have a good time. And he looks at me with wonder. Because I enjoy being with him and he enjoys being with me. And there's nothing else in the, matter, in the world that matters. There's no worry or concern that he has. When we take time to wonder, then we won't have to worry. Verse number 30 right there, it says, If that's how God clothes the grass of the field, which is here today and thrown into the furnace tomorrow, won't, won't he do much more for you, you of little faith? That word, little faith, you of little faith, is a, it's a phrase in the Greek. And it's a unique word in the Greek. And I, I normally don't spend a lot of time like, involving you guys in like my the Greek study of the word I, I, a lot of times sometimes that's just for me but when you come across this and you see and you're like man Lord you're so good Matthew takes two Greek words combined to come up with the phrase you have little faith only Matthew uses this phrase it's never used in secular Books, you know, Greek, there's books and all that. But this was never used in secular language at all. It was used four, five times and by Matthew. There, there's something significant about that. And so he combines these two together. And what it means, it means lacking confidence. Jesus says, do not worry. You of little faith. And he says, you are lacking confidence. We worry because we lack confidence in who we are and who he is. When we are you of little faith, it's because I've lost that identity as a son and I'm acting as an orphan. When, when I worry, I've lost the perfectness and the faithfulness of God and I've replaced it with somebody that I have to earn their love and their respect. I've lost the relationship and I've made it about religion. When we lack confidence, it affects how we see things. What if we walked in a manner that says we know that he knows? It says right here in verse 32, it says, for the Gentiles eagerly seek all these things and your heavenly father knows that you need him, need them. It says it earlier in chapter 6 when Jesus is talking about how to pray. He says, hey, and don't be like the hypocrites and don't worry about asking for the things that you need because the Father already knows before you even ask. You see that Milo doesn't have to ask for a new pair of jeans. He, the Father knows that he needs them. He's not worried about what he's going to wear, what he's going to eat, or what he's going to drink. But what if we walked in the confidence that we know that he knows? What if we knew without a shadow of a doubt that he knows exactly what we need and I can walk in that confidence? Milo will walk into his closet and he will find clothes there because he knows. He doesn't have to think about it because he knows that it's there. He goes to his shoe thing. His shoes are there because he knows it. He opens the refrigerator and he knows where the yogurt is. He can't even see it. He can just reach there and grab it. He doesn't have to feel for it. He doesn't have to think about it. Well, if the yogurt's not there, then I guess I'll have an apple. He just walks in there with the confidence, pulls the drawer out, and reaches in and grabs a yogurt because he knows that I know. 
We should be walking around with our chests puffed out because we know that he knows. It says Isaiah 25, 1, that he has accomplished wonders planned long ago. So how do we walk as a son and not as an orphan? How do we walk in wonder and not in worry? The key right there is to look at those words, you of little faith. If you, if you have your Bible with me, if you have your Bible with me, you don't have your Bible with me. I have my Bible with me. If you have your Bible with you, whatever. I'll cut that out of the recording. No one will ever know. Turn to Matthew chapter 8. We're going to look at these phrases. You of little faith. Matthew 8, verse 26. I'll start in 23. It says, as he got into the boat, his disciples followed him. Suddenly a violent storm arose on the sea so that the boat was being swamped by the waves, but Jesus kept sleeping. So the disciples came and woke him up saying, Lord, save us. We're going to die. And he said to them, why are you afraid, you of little faith? Then he got up and rebuked the wind and the sea, and there was a great calm. The men were amazed and asked, what kind of man is this? Even the wind and the sea obey him. Here, here's a clue. Uh, I, doing, I do concrete work also. And, you know, especially in the summer, it gets pretty warm. And sometimes the concrete can start to set up a little faster than what you're comfortable with, you know, and you got to start working a little bit harder. And one thing that I've learned over time is, uh, you know, I got two really good guys. One's Emilio, one's Armando, and they're really the experts in the concrete realm. I'll start to worry. I'm like, oh, man, do we need to put some water on that? Do we need to do this? Do we need? And you're running around because you're like, man, I just can't let this mess up and crack and do all that. One thing that I've noticed is, uh, hey, Emilio's not worried. Armando, he, he's not worried. Yeah, it's a little hotter today. But if, if I look over there and I see Armando just doing that, doing the etcher, nice and calm, I'm like, okay. I've learned, hey, if Emilio's not worried, Jeff doesn't need to be worried. First of all, it's unnecessary. He's not worried and it's unproductive. I can't fix it anyways. I'm not the expert. They are. Uh, oh, it's setting up too fast. You want me to? Never mind. I can't do anything anyways. <laughs> like, what's it going to help? Jesus was sleeping. The disciples freaked out. If he's not worried, then we don't need to worry. You have little faith talking to Jeff Hopkins right there. If he's not worried, we shouldn't be worried. And that, that ties into a story in 2 Chronicles chapter 20. It, it talks about how the, an army was coming on the other side and, and they all began to get worried and the Lord came to them. Let me read, it, read that to you. It's kind of long, but it's the word of God. So let that just set us free from some of these things. And it says, all Judah was standing before the Lord with their dependents, their wives, and their children. In the middle of the congregation, the Spirit of the Lord came on Jehaziel, son of these people. And he said, listen carefully, all Judah and you inhabitants of Jerusalem and King Jehoshaphat. This is what the Lord says. Do not be afraid or discouraged because this vast number for the battle is not yours, but it's God's. He says, you don't have to fight this battle. 
Position yourself, stand still and see the salvation of the Lord. He is with you, Judah and Jerusalem. Do not be afraid or discouraged. Tomorrow, go out and face them, for the Lord is for you. First lesson in how not to worry, the battle is not yours. Their only instructions in battle were to position themselves. The Lord will fight it for you. Your only battle with worry is to posture yourself, to position yourself and allow the Lord to do what he can do. If he's not worried, we shouldn't be worried. Just keep flipping. I told you it's only in Matthew here, right? Matthew chapter 14, a couple of pages. Matthew 14, verses 31. We talked about this last week about Jesus walking on water. We're going we're gonna to go to uh, verse 27. It says, immediately Jesus spoke to them. Have courage, it is I. Don't be afraid. Lord, if it's you, Peter answered him, command me to come to you on the water. And he said, come. After climbing out of the boat, Peter started walking on the water and came toward Jesus. But when Peter saw the strength of the wind, he was afraid. And beginning to sink, he cried out, Lord, save me. Immediately, Jesus reached out his hand, caught hold of him and said, you of little faith, why did you doubt? When they got into the boat, the wind ceased. Then those in the boat worshiped him and said, truly, this is the son of God. You of little faith. If we're going to be people that do not walk in worry, do not carry the burden of worry, but yet we stand in awe of our Father, if we wonder at our Father, then our goal has to be to keep our eyes fixed on Jesus. It says that he stepped out and he walked and he was walking towards Jesus. And then he saw the strength of the wind. He took his eyes off the way, the truth, and the life, and he began to sink. You only have to worry when you take your eyes off of him. You don't have to worry about the bill, the car, the job, your health, your kids. Are they making the right choices? Are they being bullies at school? Are they being bullied at school? What are they doing? You don't have to worry about that because if your eyes are focused on him, then everything else will take care of itself. One, because the battle is not yours. And two, because he is the way, the truth, and the life. If we keep our eyes focused on him no matter what comes in the mail, it's all going to be okay. We have to be people that say, I'm going to set my gaze like flint on him. I'm not going to look to the left or to the right, and I'm going to follow him, and I'm going to pursue him. It doesn't matter what's happening here or there. My eyes are on Jesus. I don't really recommend this, especially to kids, but uh, adults, sometimes it's kind of fun. Go outside today and just stare at the sun. Kids, don't do that. But what you'll begin to notice is you can't see anything else. You just stare. It's just fun. And all of a sudden, it's like, man, that really hurts. But there's nothing else that you can see. Matthew chapter 16, keep going, a couple chapters. Matthew chapter 16, verses 8 through 10. How, how do we not carry the burden of worry, but yet how do we walk in wonder? 
One, we, we don't worry when he's not worried. The battle is his. Number two, we stay focused on him. Number three comes right here. It says, aware of this, Jesus said. Or let's go verse seven. They were discussing among themselves. We didn't bring any bread. Aware of this, Jesus said, you of little faith. There it is again. You of little faith. Why are you discussing among yourselves that you do not have bread? Don't you understand yet? Don't you remember the five loaves for the 5,000 and how many baskets you collected? Or the seven loaves for the 4,000 and how many large baskets you collected? Don't you remember? How do we not walk by carry, and carry the burden of worry is where we remember that he did it before and we walk in the confidence that he's going to do it again. We were sharing this in, in the intercessory prayer time. It says that, that the, the testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy. The testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy. So it says that the testimony of who Jesus Christ is and what he did is the spirit of prophecy that says he'll do it again. He, I know he's going to take care of me because he took care of me then and then and then and then. When I didn't have money, all my bills were paid. When I didn't have an extra car, I had a car. When, when I was sick, there was healing. And maybe it wasn't the healing that I was thinking about, but it didn't shock me to my core. When I was sick, I had peace in my body. How, how do we not worry? We write down the testimonies of what he's done in our life. And all of a sudden, when we don't know what to say, we don't know what to do, we've prayed and prayed and prayed. And we, we go, oh yeah, Lord, I remember when you did this for me. And I know that you can do it again. When we recall the faithfulness of God, then all of a sudden we're like, man, why am I worried about that? Why, why am I worried that there's no bread? I, I remember he did it before and before that, and he's going to do it again. We do not have to worry because he is faithful. He did it before, and he will do it again. Number four, Matthew chapter 17. These two, verses, these two words pulled together to give us the, this English word phrase, you of little faith. Matthew chapter 17, verse 20. The, the disciples were uh, praying over a person. They, they couldn't cast out. A, a devil out of them. And so he comes to Jesus and it says, then the, the, the disciples approached Jesus privately and said, why couldn't we drive it out? And Jesus said, because of your little faith. For truly, I tell you that if you have faith the size of a mustard seed, you will tell this mountain, move from here to there and it will move and nothing will be impossible for you. How do we not worry because all it takes is the faith of a mustard seed. Man, we don't have to be this guy that's, man, I'm believing for all of this. Man, or I've got the faith that, man. No, all it takes is just the faith of a mustard seed. And then nothing will be impossible for you. We don't have to worry because all it takes is something so small for the Lord to touch it and then it makes it where we can move a mountain 
And you, you can debate, well, he wasn't being literal with that mountain or make it move here or there. Literal or figurative, it doesn't matter. That's freaking awesome. I mean, can we live our lives in such a way that we replace worry with wonder? And can we walk in such a way that the confidence of the son with a good heavenly father? You, you know me, I, I'm, I'm love, I'm grace, I'm mercy. I, I know that for so long I walked in religion, questioned my salvation, I questioned my belonging in the presence of Lord, questioned my belonging in the church because of what I did the night before. I questioned, I, I never even considered myself a son because religion just beat that out of me to where there's no way that I could ever measure up. And I got set free from that. And I'm not saying that that is what makes me unique, but I do not worry because from that day forward, I have never questioned, does he love me? Does he care for me? Does he want to see me doing well? Will he do it for me? I've never questioned it because I've walked in that confidence. I've not walked in that confidence and I've been beaten up and beaten down by religion. Thought I, I thought I was so unworthy to even be in church when you get it that you're loved and you're cared for and you're a son, then there's a confidence. I don't have to worry about a bill. I don't have to worry about if I get diagnosed with cancer. I don't have to worry if, I, if I'm sick. I don't have to worry. Because no matter what, even if I don't get the result that I'm believing for or think is his will for me, it still never changes who I am. It still never changes that one day, whether it's sooner or later, I will stand before him and he will say, well done, good and faithful servant. So if cancer takes me out next year, I'm not going to worry. And I'm not going to question whether God doesn't love me because he gave me cancer. Because all I look forward to is the, the wonder where I get to stand face to face before him. And I get to see my father, his only words, be well done, good and faithful servant. Don't worry, but wonder. Worry is unnecessary and unproductive because you can't do anything about it anyways. When you wonder, you allow God to come into that situation and take it over. Worry seeks to control it so that I can fix it. Wonder releases it back to its proper owner. Then the father and say, hey, man, daddy, you got a big electric bill this month you're going to have to pay for. <laughs> Dad, your car needs a couple new tires. It's not my worry. I can't do anything about it anyways. Money is not my provider. I do not seek provision from money. What wonder teaches us to do is to have patience in his provision. Worry is fretting and anxiousness. Worry is about short-term accomplishing a goal. Wonder goes, Father, I'm going to have patience in your perfect provision. Philippians 4 says, do not worry about anything, but present your requests to God. Can we take just a few moments? Can we present the worries that we have? We all worry about something. I've confessed mine to you. 
We all worry about something. So we're holding on to something. There's a relationship that needs to be restored. There's a health diagnosis that needs to be brought under the cross. There, there's something that, that's robbing you of peace. Will you close your eyes with me and just say, Father, you know what it is, Dad. It's just real simple. It's releasing it right now. Say, Dad, I'm not going to worry about this anymore. You've never failed me. You're not going to fail me now. Father, let me not be a person that worries. But let me wonder and marvel at the majesty and the beauty that you are. Father, this week we commit to being a person that does not worry, but that takes the opportunities and the moments to wonder and to marvel at you. In your name we pray. Amen. You, you look at, look, look at scripture. There's so many times where the Lord provides and you're like, Lord, how did you do that? We have patience in his provision because he's able to do things that we never thought were possible. Five loaves of bread fed 5,000. Seven loaves fed four. The Old Testament, the, the prophet goes to the widow who's preparing her last meal for her and her son. It says that they're gonna, she's gonna cook this meal and she, then her and her son are gonna die. And she makes a meal for Elijah. And her cupboard never runs dry. And we're like, man, Lord, that is ridiculous. But the testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy. If he did it before, he can do it again. I, right? Can we just be a people that do that? that believe for the physically impossible? Can we be, be a people that go, man, Lord, this week I'm not gonna worry because the battle's not mine. I'm not gonna worry. I'm gonna keep my eyes on you. I'm not gonna worry about what happens, what's coming up. I'm gonna remember what you did in the past and how you took care of me and I know you're gonna do it again and I'm just gonna believe. That's our only requirement is to position ourselves.